Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, in the Gospel of John, Jesus went through that experience of raising Lazarus from the dead. Oddly enough, the religious authorities, because of this, wanted to kill not just Jesus, but also Lazarus. Crazy. This will to power. And there he is at Bethany, and Mary, the the sister of both Martha and Lazarus, comes in and anoints Jesus, preparing him for what he knew was to come. And then Jesus prepares himself to go into Jerusalem, which will be his last time. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized these things that had been written about. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they said, Sir, we would like to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. And Jesus replied, Now the time has come. For the Son of Man to enter his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for all eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. And now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. This entry into Jerusalem is recounted by all four gospel writers. 
And they have their own view, their own nuance, and their own perspective on what happened that day. But one of the fascinating realities that occurred here was that Jesus first saw the crowds gathering. The crowds were gathering. They, they knew Jesus was coming. The Greeks knew that he was coming into Jerusalem. They knew this. And so he saw the crowds coming together with those palm branches. And they were ready to greet him. And they gathered because they had heard about the miracle of the raising of Lazarus. And Jesus did something fascinating. He then went and found the colt of a donkey. Just a little thing. Little teeny, little colt. Now, there are processions that come into town all the time. When the Romans come in, they come in with their steeds and chariots and their banners and their dancing girls and the whole bed. And then Herod would come into town, the, the, uh, the despot of Jerusalem. He would come in and he would also have his entourage and he would expect people to greet him in that way. But what's unique about this, when the people start cutting those palm branches down, those palm branches were like patriotic banners. They were, they were like campaign signs. The people had a very fresh memory of that which occurred just over a hundred years earlier during the Maccabean revolt. The Maccabees threw out the Greek overlord Antiochus Epiphanes. And this was a huge victory for the people to drive out those lousy Greeks and when they did, they cut palm branches and celebrated with palm branches. And those branches represented a, a, a strong hope of the future of Israel. Those palm branches were, were political in nature. And Jesus saw that. And I wonder if his seeing those preparations happen if he recognized that the people didn't recognize him. I wonder if he recognized that the people still didn't get it. They wanted him to come in as their king. The last time this happened, Jesus had fed the people all that bread. And then they wanted to make him king because they got free stuff. They thought he was Jesus Ocasio Christ. <laughs> He's going to get a bunch of free stuff. And Jesus said, no. He said, no, that's not the kind of king I am. That's not the kind of kingdom I bring. And so here he sees them preparing again for that kind of earthly king. As if he's going to come in like the Maccabees did a hundred and some years ago. So instead... Rather than walking in with his entourage, rather than riding in on a horse, he gets a little burrow. Now, I could probably stand over the top of a burrow with my feet on the ground, a little colt. Presuming Jesus was not 6'6", 
if he got on the back of a little, the colt of a donkey, in all likelihood his toes would drag in the dust. And, and he would otherwise have to lift his legs up and somehow prop them up perhaps on the neck of that little donkey. And, and, then, and then bounce into Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus would look silly. He would not look dignified and high and mighty. He would not look like a king. But what he would look like is one who is fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah. Behold, your king comes to you, humble and lowly is he, riding on a donkey, even the foal of a donkey. And so Jesus rides in, and he comes in with this posture of humility. And he comes in and, in a manner that does nothing to glorify himself. He rides in, and the Gospel of Luke records that as he went down into the Kidron Valley, and then up the other side to the to the holy city, Jerusalem. That he looked upon the city. He looked upon the people. He heard their cries. And he wept. He wept. How they did not understand. How they didn't grasp who this was. Or the nature of his coming. How he could not be accepted for what he actually brought. He was going to be accepted, well, not at all. He was going in for his rejection. He did not weep for himself. That's why he says, shall I pray, take me from this hour? No, he... He acknowledges it was for this purpose that he came. But how his heart broke. That with all of his effort, people just didn't get it. They didn't get it. It's a little comfort for a pastor. A lot of comfort actually for a pastor. Because we preach our hearts out week after week after week and somehow the human condition just keeps going on. <laughs> Things don't really change. But Jesus knowing his deep love for these people, his anguish that they are so lost, that they are so misdirected, that they, that they don't get it. Nevertheless, in Jesus comes. And it's a rather ragtag crowd that comes in with him. These are not the elite. This is not a military entourage. This is the lame, the blind, the deaf. Little kids are running around. This is a, a, a parade, not unlike what we might have down Fifth Avenue here. It's just... 
a bunch of real people coming in with Jesus. And even though they don't get it, somehow Jesus does, and so he surrounds himself with the least of his brothers and sisters, the least of these. And he comes in in such a way as to, as to demonstrate that he is a God of all people. He is Lord of all. And it's the high and mighty, once again, they're the ones that reject him. Those who have position and power and title, everything they can do to maintain their position, whatever it takes, the will to power. So Jesus comes in. And in the other Gospels, it says he goes into the temple and he clears out the temple. And if his seat wasn't, if his fate wasn't sealed before then, it certainly is sealed now. And it's only a couple more days until he is arrested on that Thursday. So Jesus is not coming in to fulfill their expectations as king. He's coming in to fulfill expectations that they don't even know they have. He's coming in to be the Lord of life. How could they understand? How can we grasp that Jesus, who is the agent of creation itself, who was the one who, through whom all of creation was made, how could they possibly understand that's who they were looking at? They couldn't. And so rather than grasping what he was, people grasp what they can. And that is to say, and that is true of all of us, we, as we know as much as we do about ourselves, we accept as much as we do about Christ, as much as we can possibly understand about who Jesus is, and that initiates a faith journey. We are on our way. We're following him. And Jesus, in this act, is demonstrating without ambiguity, with utter clarity, that he is the Lord of all. That he is the Lord of the universe. Yes, Jesus, riding in on that little donkey. As I say, looking rather silly, is nevertheless making a statement that he is God. And he is God who has taken on human flesh, and he is God who is allowing, going to allow that flesh to be, to be beaten and crucified so that we might live. And this entails a decision by each of us as to who he is in relationship to us. C.S. Lewis puts it so whimsically. I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people say about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. 
That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely human and said the sorts of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He did not intend to. So in short, he is a liar, a loon, or he is Lord. And those are the only options we have before us. As Jesus comes to us, as he does, unambiguously demonstrating that he is God. That is what the triumphal entry is all about. That is what Palm Sunday is all about. The radical, dramatic claim of Jesus to the whole world. Will you bow with me in prayer? Oh Lord, we have the record of your life. We see your character in the many ways in which you condescended to us. When you kissed us, when you touched us, when you hugged us and healed us, and when you made us new, when you gave us a new sense of your life within us, Lord, we thank you that this is not illusion. This is not some sort of a Freudian projection onto you. This is the reality that has broken into human experience. And it is reliable and true. Thank you, O oh God, in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.